good, isn't it? And um, this afternoon, I want to try and speak on something the Lord has been speaking to me about. And really, um, it says in, if you turn to Hebrews 3, you see where Paul is talking about, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. Wherefore, holy brethren? Well, if you're one of the holy brethren, you're partakers of a heavenly calling. <laughs> it's wonderful, isn't it? There were partakers of a heavenly calling. Then he says, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession or profession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him that pointed him, as, as also Moses was faithful in all his house. He said, for this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who hath builded the house hath more honor than the house. For every house is builded by some man, but he that built all things is God. And Moses verily was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken of after. But Christ as a son over his own house, whose house are we, if we hold fast the confidence and rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. Moses was uh, an extraordinary man, wasn't he? And I spoke to uh, about Moses for a time before on the burning bush. But I come to see something that really is important, I think, in, in an incident that happens in Exodus 32 and 33. Here Moses uh, had led these people out uh, in a wonderful demonstration of God's power, Exodus 1 and going on right through. And here's this church, this church that's been redeemed with signs, wonders, miracles, a demonstration of tremendous power under Moses' leadership by God himself, isn't it? And what happens, uh, something happens in this situation and it shows to me that, as we said, uh, I think the last time we were together, talking about Gideon and Baal. And the strange thing is, as this golden calf business turns up again. <laughs> and it's something that obviously is a problem to the church. There's something that the enemy wants to put an inroad into your life to stop you inheriting the promises of God enjoying the blessings of God and wanting to have the fullness of God in your life. And this is very subtle, isn't it? And as I, I've been considering this and I've been thinking about it, you know, um, I think it's in the discourse I mentioned, it's in, uh, you know, in John 14, 15, 16, um, where Jesus says um, in John 14, 6, Jesus says unto them, I am the way the truth, and the life. And you see, the problem for us is, as God's people, that we come in into God's house and we get saved and 
we have this wonderful encounter with the Lord. And I know I've been through all sorts in my life. <laughs> and God has been very merciful to me. So, And what I like about Moses, if I can try and bring out into your mind, is what is what, what God uses this man to do in a very critical situation. We're in a very critical situation in the church. We are. I know it's critical in Iraq. It's certainly terrible. Obviously, the seals of revelation have been opened there and, and all over the world. You know, some people think it's, we're having a seven-year... We got it now. Tribulation is now. But I don't want to get onto that. But what I'm just going to say is this, that... Moses, really, um, I see now the development that's, got, that's come in Moses' life. And somehow, we in the church have got to look at the situation not with blinkered eyes. We've got to see it as it is. The reality is, the church should have the power, it should have the presence, and it should have the glory. And some of us oldies that were there when Henry started, we've seen a bit of it. We saw a bit of the glory. We saw a bit of the power. I saw some demonstrations of power and glory. And I believe it's time for it to happen again. You know, uh, Paul said something very significant this morning in, the, in his house. And he said, um, if I get it right, is, is that God is getting hold of certain people to get together so that something can change. And you might be one of those people that God is gathering together, a company of people who don't like the status quo. There's got to be change. <laughs> but you see, if that's going to happen, it's, it's got to be like we see happening here. And I'll try and explain this to you so you can get the picture because in Exodus 32, if you read the account, I haven't got time to read it all, obviously, but it says in 32.1, And when the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mount, the people gathered themselves and said to Aaron, Up, make us gods, which will go for fall. For as for this Moses, you notice the statement, the man that brought us out, us out of the land of Egypt, we wot not what has become of him. Now, I don't know about you, but if I, was, if I was in the church, I wouldn't really think that my pastor brought me great salvation. It's God, isn't it, who works in us. You know, this statement is quite extraordinary, you know, but it shows you that how people can see great demonstrations of power in the house of God see miracles, signs and wonders, and yet it doesn't think them, doesn't change their mindset one iota. It's like the situation that's facing them is all they can think about. They can't think that God is God and that he's able to change things and they don't need to go to the world to find the answer to something that's spiritual that you can only find from God himself. Isn't it? And this whole question here, they said, and so Aaron makes them take off these gold earrings, as you know, and he break them off, and they fashioned them a god, and they saw it. And this is the thing in verse 5. And Aaron made a proclamation, tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. You notice this statement, a feast to the Lord. They rose up early, offered burnt offerings, brought peace offerings. 
We heard about the burnt offering this morning and the, and the peace offering, didn't we? And people sat down, and this is what they did. They ate, and they drink, and they play. They eat, they drink, and they play. They don't worship. Now, there's a big temptation for you as a child of God to eat, to drink, and to play. Pleasure. Isn't that? Big temptation, isn't it? You know, we're all, you know, there's so much going on in the media, so much going on in there, and gardens, and countryside, and historic buildings, isn't it? And cruises and all this stuff, you know. And there's nothing wrong with gardens, you know. But when you start looking at it the whole time and you eat, drink, and play, you'll find that the gold will get hold of you. It will. It'll get hold of you. And suddenly you'll find that that, these spiritual people that saw the mighty demonstration of the glory and power of God, and in fact, they were having a right to do naked out and all sorts going on there. And, 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 um, and this is what, the, and, this, and the Lord says to Moses up the mount now, he hasn't come down to get you down for this people. And you notice this statement from God, you know, this is an amazing statement. This is giving us a mind of how God thinks. The Lord said to Moses, get thee down for the, thy people. Did he say they were his people? He says, Moses, they're your people. <laughs> yeah, think about it. He said, these are your people, Moses, that you, that, that, that these people which you brought out of the land of Egypt. Well, God obviously knows it wasn't Moses that brought them out. It was him that brought them out. But he's saying, no, no, Moses, they're your people, and you brought them out. Right? They have corrupted themselves. It's corrupt worship. Do you know there's a lot of worship today that isn't true worship? There's a lot of performance and lights and smoke and all this business, you know. But is there any, any anointing in it? Any power? Any presence? Anything happening? No. You know, we, you know, it's what Jesus said to the woman of the world. He said, I'm looking for worshippers who worship me any way they like. No. No. They worship me in spirit and in truth. There's such a thing as acceptable worship. Isn't there? And there's such a thing as unacceptable worship. You see, this is the point, isn't it? And we've got to look at ourselves, you see, and, and examine ourselves. And they've turned aside quickly out the way he commanded them, but made a molten calf and worshipped it, and said, These be thy gods of Israel that brought us out of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people. They are stiff-necked. They're stiff-necked. And he said to Moses, Let me alone now that my wrath may wax hot against them, that I may consume them. Yeah. And I will make of them a great nation. Do you, hmm? Make of what? Make of thee. Yes, make of thee, yeah. And the point about it is, you see, can you get the mind of God now? We've got a mind in the church that God is some sort of lollipop God. He's put up with anything. You know, he's a God of love. <laughs> well, is he? He is a God. I'm not so sure about this. As David Pawson says, there's not many times in the Gospels you'll see it once or twice about love. There's a lot more mentioned in the Gospels about hell than there is of love. God is a God of standards, of judgment. And, I, and as Alan said, he's on his case and he's on my case. 
And he's probably on your case. Because he wants us to have his power and his presence, but he's not going to give it to anybody. Oh, no. No, as we've heard, the blood has to come before the anointing. There has to be purity before power. There has to be separation and sanctification before there's glorification, isn't there? And, you know, this is serious business. We're in a church that is going to sleep. It's backslidden. It's gone away from the power and the principles of God. And this is what Moses said. Um, and Moses besought the Lord and said, Why did thy wrath wax hot against this people which you brought out of Egypt with great power and mighty hand? Wherefore should the Egyptians speak and say, For mischief did you bring them out to slay them and consume them? And Moses says to God, Turn from your first wrath fierce wrath and repent of this evil against your people. Remember Isaac and Abraham and Isaac and Israel. I will multiply thy seeds. And the Lord, he says in verse 40, repented of the evil which he thought to do to his people. Think about this. This is God now. And I've been thinking a lot about this. You see, there is a highway of God. As they said, there's a, there's a new and a living way, but there's an old and a dead way. The question is, are you on the old and the dead way, or are you on the new and the living way? Religion is old and dead. But, but, but to be with Christ is to be on a new and a living way. See, there's a highway, that, and there is a way, and it's this new and living way that God wants us to walk in. And these people have gone away from it. You know, when I think, was thinking about this, I thought, you remember, and the Lord repented, and Moses turned and went down the mount. You remember with the tables? The tables were the work of God, the writing of God, and Joshua, etc., etc. And it came to pass, as he came, he saw the calf and the dancing, he waxed hot, he took the things and he threw them down. He was so angry, wasn't he? He burnt the calf and made them drink it. And what, and what did this people unto that's brought this great sin, uh, Moses said to Aaron, and Aaron said, etc., etc., make us gods, etc., which I can't fully understand, but anyway, you can work it out. Verse 25, And when Moses saw that the people were naked for Aaron and made them naked and shame, that Moses stood at the camp and said, Let every man, etc., and judgment came upon them. Then it says in verse 29, For Moses said, Consecrate yourselves today to the Lord, even every man his son, and upon his brother. And it came to pass, You have sinned a great sin, and now I will go unto the Lord, peradventure I shall make an atonement for your sins. Sin. And Moses returned to the Lord and said, Oh, this people, I've sinned a great sin, and made gods of gold. Yet now, if thou will forgive their sin, if not, blot me out of the book. This is what Moses said. He was willing to be blotted out, like, like Paul was for his countrymen in Romans, wasn't it? And, and he said, and the Lord said to Moses, Whosoever has sinned against me, him will I blot out the book. And this is the statement. Now, I want you to get this progression. There's something here I know that is so important. Therefore now go lead this people unto the place we've spoken of. In other words, God now has, has sort of said, okay, I'm not going to destroy them. So he's saying to Moses now, this people, 
Go now, lead this people into the place which I have spoken thee, and behold, mine angel shall go before thee. Nevertheless, in the day when I visit, I will visit their sin upon them. And the Lord plagued the people because they made a path. And verse 33, 1 says, The Lord said to Moses, Depart and go up hence, thou and the people which you brought out of the land of Egypt into the land which I swear to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and enter thy seed will I give it, and I will send an angel before you. And to a land flowing, and I will not go up in the midst of thee. And this is the statement, God says, You go, Moses, with this angel, then he says in verse 3, part the second half, For I will not go up in the midst of thee, for thou art a stiff-necked people, lest I consume thee in the way. And when the people heard these evil tidings, they mourned and took off their ornaments. And the Lord said to the children of Israel, You are stiff-necked people, I will come amongst you in the, and consume you. And the children of Israel stripped themselves, and Moses took the tabernacle and pitched it without the camp. Now this is very significant. Because if you're in dead religion, there's only one thing you can do, is take your tabernacle outside the camp. You cannot sit in dead religion. You've got to be on the new and living way. You can't be on the old and dead way. Now, in every move of God, where God moves, there has to be a shift. God raises up a man like Moses, or he raises up a Henry, or a John Wesley, or Martin Luther, or somebody, and something, if we get fed up with the status quo, don't disturb us, don't rock the boat, we don't want any trouble here in this church, no, it's better for you to take your tabernacle. Don't, don't despise anybody. Just take your tabernacle outside the camp and start to worship God. Because you can't worship where there's dead religion. You can't. You need, you need fellowship with your Father. You need to be able to meditate. You need peace. You need quiet. You need communion. As I said before, union brings communion. And communion brings dominion. And it's vital you have that. You've got to have this experience of being able to commune with God and know that he's with you. And it says, and Moses took the tabernacle. Now, this is not the tabernacle of Moses that was built with the Levites and the priests and all the sacrifices. This is Moses' tabernacle, right? This is not this big thing, you know, with the three compartments, the holiest of all and the holy of all and the curtains and all. This is a Moses' tabernacle, right? And it's a different thing, see. And he says, And it came to pass when Moses went out of the tabernacle, all the people rose up, stood every man in his tent door, and looked after Moses until he had gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass, as Moses entered into the tabernacle, the cloudy pillar descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle, and the Lord talked to Moses. You know when you've got you get a visitation of glory on your life. And this is why now God was validating Moses in the situation that he found himself. This is dire. 
For Moses, this is a terrible event that's happened. And the church is in a dire state. It needs the power of God. We, we are looked down upon. We're some post-Christian era. We, because we need the glory, we need the power, and we need the anointing. Don't we? We, we? Somehow we've got to cry out. And I believe that God has called certain people, could be you, to be a Moses. You don't look down on God's people, but you identify with what is going on to bring the cause of God's church and his glory, isn't it, to God, and you intercede on behalf of those that in ignorance are being swallowed up in the system. Yeah, they've been swallowed up in the system. They can't, because they think, well, well, what can we do? But we can do something. And Moses shows us what we can do. Now, this is not going to be easy. It's not easy to stand up for what is true. As we said with Gideon, it wasn't easy for him to do what he did. And it's never easy to walk by faith, but you've got to be bold. Now, Moses takes the first step, and immediately God sends his glory. I convinced if he'd have left the tabernacle in the congregation, there would have been no glory cloud. No. There would have been no demonstration of power. But by him I, I saying to God, I'm coming to what you want, not what they want. Don't you think that Moses was tempted to give in to those people, like, like Aaron did? We've we got to make a stand for the power and the glory of God. We've got to say, we are not standing for dead old ways. We belong to Jesus, who is the way into the holiest. There is a way into the holiest. Religion says, oh no. You can't have all that power. It's all finished. When the last apostle died, the last miracle died, and all this nonsense. Look, God is not a God of dispensations. He says, I am the Lord. I change not. You've got to understand that Moses, yes, he was in before the cross, but as you begin to find out, Moses used this word grace a lot of times. It's by grace Moses was saved through faith. It's by grace you are saved through faith. And it doesn't matter whether you're before the cross or after the cross. It was set up in the throne in Genesis 3.15. I'm going to give you a seed, Christ, who's going to crush the serpent's head. And that is Jesus. And that's what Moses believed. That's what his parents believed. That's why he was delivered out of the Nile, because his mother, Jochebed, had faith. What does faith do? It honors the Christ. It honors the seed. It puts this word of God in your mouth, and you believe it and speak it, and no matter what hell does to kill you, you're going to be more than a conqueror. Why? Because you've got the seed of promise in you. You've got it inside you. Greater is he that is in you than is in the world. You think about it, a whole, how many, three million people, a one-man Moses. He's got an assistant, he's called Joshua, yeah. <laughs> as we'll find out. But one man turned the tide of a whole disaster where God was about to just wipe them all out. And Moses would be left with Joshua and nobody else. That's what you call a true man of God. A true man interceding for the church. And we've got to do something because people are blinded. They're deceived. 
to think that God's power is finished. God is not finished. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God doesn't change. It's when we move to a golden calf. Oh, yes, subtle. Isn't it subtle? Isn't it dangerous? And you know, I was thinking about this, and this is what Moses says. And the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaketh to his friend. In other words, when you go with God, God will speak to you. But you stay with that mixed multitude and all that nonsense. You're in danger. You're in danger. You can't stay around that. But you've got to stay with God, haven't you? And you know, the Lord said to me, because I get discouraged sometimes where I am. And I say, why don't people see what I can see? Why in the world are they so satisfied with tea and cakes and buns and Sunday school trips? What about the presence of God? What about the power of God? What about you, Lord? The Lord said, don't you be discouraged. You can be a Joshua. You can stay in the tabernacle. (laughs) And when the time comes, it was Joshua who led them out. <laughs> it was Joshua who inherited Canaan. It wasn't that bunch. <laughs> Come on. I want to be in the presence of God where you hear God. Don't you? It's a choice you've got to make. And it's not that easy because the enemy is going to put the pressure on you. I found this out that I've got certain weaknesses and the enemy knows how to play on those weaknesses. He knows how to you know, strum it. But we can overcome. The Lord said to me, don't be stupid. You listen to me, not them. (laughs) Don't be stupid. Don't be thick spiritually. Get your mind renewed. Put your mind where you're supposed to be, on God's word and his spirit. And the person of Christ, as it said in Hebrews 3, consider him, the apostle and high priest of your confession, Jesus Christ. That's who you consider, the person of Christ. What did he do for you? What has he done for me? Don't you think he can take you through anything? If he went through hell, the grave, he's conquered sin, death and the hell, don't you think he can take you through anything? Of course he can, because he's got all power. He's got all power in heaven and earth. Look, don't you be afraid of the enemy. This is boldness in Moses' part now. He's done the right thing. He's taken the tabernacle. I bet he was criticized. Oh, yeah. I bet there were some big mouths in Israel despite their golden calf. You know, there's plenty of religious people and are on very good terms with them, themselves. You try and touch something that they, their little golden calf boy, you'll soon get a splurt from them. Oh, yeah. You're soon going to find that they, be, they don't like anything touched that's precious to them, their golden calf. As Irene said last night, We have to learn to know what is precious spiritually and divide it from the vile. I mean, that's what Leviticus is all about. The clean and the unclean, the unholy and the holy, isn't it? About worship, true worship, false worship. That's what Leviticus is all about. It's about Christ. It's about Christ. You know, I've got a book at home somewhere. It's called The Gospel in Leviticus. Now, most people think the gospel isn't in Leviticus. Well, it certainly is in Leviticus. The gospel is in every book of the Bible, (laughs) isn't it? It is in every book of the Bible. And the Lord spake to Moses face to face. He turned to the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, 
the young man departed not out of the tabernacle. Good for Joshua. And Moses said, see, and this is, now listen to what Moses says. See, thou sayest unto me, bring up this people that thou hast not let me know whom thou wilt send with me. Well, I just, I just read that God told him he was going to send an angel. So obviously Moses is not very happy about an angel. <laughs> what Moses is saying here, I want to know who you're going to send with me. Yet thou hast said, I know thee by name, and thou hast also found grace in my sight. This is what Moses says. This is a big statement. Now therefore I pray you, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way, that I may know thee, that I may find grace in thy sight, and consider that this nation is thy people and not my people. You notice how Moses is praying now. This is teaching us about prayer. People think prayer is easy. It's not. Definitely not. You call a prayer meeting. I mean, people want to pray. Yeah. Yeah. You know, this is, this is showing to me something that I've had to come to see and he said, this is what God said to him, my presence shall go with thee and I will give thee rest. There's the big statement. If God's presence is going with you, you've got rest. The enemy wants to bring unrest into your life. Do you know that? He wants you in strife. He wants you worried. He wants you upset. He wants, you know, Ina and I are going through something at the moment, and he's done his best before this weekend to get us really worked up about this. And Ina rung me up in the, woke me up in the middle of the night, 2 o'clock, and said, Gordon, what about this? I said, what about what? This is 2 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> you know, the enemy's got away. And I, I, didn't, I don't think I got back to sleep at about 4 o'clock. I, I was thinking about this. And the Lord said to me, you walk by faith and not by sight. The just do not live by feelings. The just live by faith. Don't they? So no matter what the feelings are coming against you, you've got something here, the word of God, that's greater than your feelings. If you can get it in your system and speak it out of your mouth, Jesus says, that mountain will be removed. Yeah, that mountain will be removed, but you've got to believe it and say it. You know, this highway, Isaiah says, the mountains shall be flattened and the valleys shall be filled. That's what God does to give you a highway. Instead of you going like this, you go straight like this. He flattens the mountains and fills the valleys. That's what he does. And I tell you what, this highway is brilliantly built it's wonderfully engineered. It's been planned since eternity. And all you've got to do is get on it. And there's no, not like M, M5, was it yesterday, the day before you sit on it and move one inch per minute. No, it's a perfect highway. It goes straight into the holiest. <laughs> it goes straight into the presence of God. Isn't it wonderful? Jesus has brought that veil down. Religion says to me, oh, you're not good enough. 
You can't get in there. Of course we're not good enough. As we heard this morning, we need the blood of Jesus. We need the righteousness of Christ. But thank God we have, yet we believe in that blood. Our faith is in that person and we've got his righteousness so we can get in there. There's no true prayer outside the holiest. No prayer is effective until you get in there. You've got to get in there to get the, to get the ear of God. You can pray all you like outside and nothing will happen. Nothing. That's why it's so important, as we said about Romans, justification, sanctification, glorification. You're much more than a forgiven sinner. You've been declared righteous. You're a child of God. You've got access by faith into this what? Grace. Wherein you stand. That's your position. That's your Buckingham Palace then. Isn't it? You can't get in the palace without a pass. And you've got to have Jesus' righteousness and his blood upon you to get in there. But I've got it in Christ. Hallelujah. I've got the gift of righteousness. Isn't it wonderful? I'm a child of the king. And so when I face something, this is Moses. He's working. He's saying, if I found grace. I've been trying to find a statement. I thought I'd written it in my my notes, but I can't find a brilliant statement by Spurgeon. Spurgeon was a great preacher. In 1859, he preached this message, not on this, but something else. And revival was going on in America in 1857, 1858, and even in Wales, but London it never touched. You see, we've got to learn, in our Christian experience, we have to go from grace to grace. There's more available than you think there is. Right? There's more grace available for you in your hard place than you think there is. We're talking about the grace of Christ now. What overcame, the t- what overcame the cross and death and hell? It was grace. Yes, it was grace. The kingdom of God is a kingdom of grace. And it's the most powerful thing on the earth because it's, it's doing something now. It's not only built all this way for us to come to God, but it's already, as we said last night, in my father's house are many mansions. I've gone to prepare. God is building something now. It's all being prepared for his saints. Well, I don't want to miss out on my Canaan and be like this stupid bunch who fall down and worship some idol called gold. That gold can be anything. I don't know. It's, it's between you and God now. What, what can hinder you in your life we think these stupid people, fancy them, but people are doing it in church now. They're building a calf of gold and they're bowing down to it and they think they can worship God and have their gold. They can't have it. You've got to put God first. It, 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 see, this is all about God's glory, this is. Faith, true faith, is always about God's glory and glorifying him, not me. It's him, isn't it? We, we're looking to him. My presence shall go with thee, and I will give you rest. And he said to him, If thy presence goes not with me, carry me not up hence. For wherein shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? Is it not in that thou goest with us? So shall we be separated, I and thy people, from all the people of the face. And the Lord said to Moses, I will do this thing also, thou hast spoken. For thou hast found grace in my sight, and I know thee by name. 
Moses is still not satisfied. You think, well, isn't that enough? That he's going to give me his presence and rest and he's going to go with me? No, Moses is not satisfied. Moses is a very wise boy. He's come to know God. He's been a long way now. He's 80-something, isn't he? <laughs> he's been around a long time, hasn't he? <laughs> he's, you know, he's been in Egypt. He's been in the backside of the desert for 40 years. He's seen the signs and wonders and miracles. This man knows, and this is what you've got to get to know, and I've got to get to know. I've got to get to know God. Do you know that we can have a God of our own imaginations? And as I said before, we've added two new books to the Bible, Imaginations 1 and Imaginations 2. <laughs> hmm. We can. But he's the God. This is God. This is it in the Word. And he, and he said, Moses said to him, I beseech me, thee, Lord, show me thy glory. This is what he's saying. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee, and I will claim the name of the Lord before thee, and I will be gracious to whom I be gracious, and I will show mercy. And he said, Thou canst not see my face, for there shall no man see me. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me, thou shalt stand upon a rock, and it shall come to pass, while my glory passes by, and I put you in the cleft, I will cover you, and I will take away mine hand, and that shall be my back parts, my face thou shalt not see. I'm coming to see that this whole question of grace and uh, uh, finding grace in the sight of God is very important. I don't know about you. It's possible, you see, for you and I to grieve the Holy Spirit without actually knowing we're doing it. You know, we, we're, on a, see, we're, on a, we're on a state of growth and spiritual development, and you don't get there overnight. Moses was 80-something now. He'd have been a whole lifetime learning this lesson, isn't he? Now, I, 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 find, I find myself very difficult at times. I get really fed up with myself. And I think, what is the matter with you? You see, we have to keep looking into this perfect law of liberty to see the mirror of the word, who I am in Christ, and not see myself as I, I think I am. This is the problem, isn't it? I've got to see that I'm not, I've been born of God. Who can take you into eternity but the Lord Jesus Christ? There's only one person can take you from earth to heaven, it's Jesus. Because as we read in the Gospels, he said, I came down from heaven, and I'm returning to heaven. You read those, those chapters 14, 15, and 16, and you'll get it. And you begin to get a picture of what Jesus is saying, that he's the only one that can take you there. How long am I going to live? I don't know. How long are you going to live? We're talking about eternity now, aren't we? We're talking about the whole, uh, you can have everything you like, that Jesus said down here. You can have owned the whole world, he said. You lose your own soul. What in the world is that going to profit you? You know, thank God for everything God's given me or given you. But really, it's this there to keep you going so you can get ready for eternity. We have to handle it lightly. Just handle it lightly. Say, thank you, God, for blessing me with that. But don't put your hand on it. Because if you put your hand on it, it turns into gold. And you start to worship the jolly thing. And this is the problem, isn't it? It's very, very subtle. See, God is a God who wants the glory. 
He wants all the glory. You know, some, thing, some very good things were said last night. I think Luke said some good things, and somebody else said some good things. You see, there's certain things that probably God is saying to you, as Luke said, you need to drop them. Put them in the spiritual rubbish bin. Get rid of them. As Jesus says in, um, in, in Hebrews 12, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. We have to keep looking at Jesus. He's your great high priest. Thank God for every earthly priest, but he's your great high priest. And you don't get to hear for what he's saying until you get in his presence. So true prayer, what, what Moses is teaching you, he starts off with an angel. He starts, he gets to the presence. But now he's got to the glory. In other words, we desperately need the glory. We desperately need God to be glorified in the saints, in us. Because in the glory, it says here, it says in the glory is, um, I'll make my goodness to pass before you. The goodness. The goodness of God in your life. Do you want the goodness? The blessing of the Lord makes rich. It says, and adds no sorrow. See, Satan can give you pleasure for a time, but that pleasure's got a bite in it. It comes with a kick. And it will kick you into hell. But Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundant. Jesus is the only person. Oh, I tell you, we've got to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. And he says, lest any weight or sin that death so easily beset you. Yeah. It can be weights and it can be sin. But I thank God, you know, I'm coming to see that as the Lord's dealing with me, and when, when the enemy says, try a bit of this, you say, I'm not stupid, Satan. I'm not eating nothing off your table. Everything on your table is infected, and it's going to kill me. It's got a lot of good in it, but it's got a lot of pollution in it, and pollution kills you. It kills you spiritually. But you eat at the table of the Lord, and you get fat and strong. How did Moses live up how did Moses live up a mountain for 40 days and 40 nights? What kind of food was he eating then? What kind of chef did he take with him? I wonder what he's on, was on his barbecue then in, 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 up in uh, 40 days and 40 nights. Didn't go to Tesco and get a whole load of steak to take with him, did he? No. He was fed from heaven. <laughs> he was fed from heaven. I tell you what, when you get in the presence of God, time stops. It does. It stops. <laughs> You're now in eternity. You're in the glory. You're in the presence. That's where you want to be. Because when you start asking, like Moses did, have I found grace in your sight? Give me a sign. And he said, your presence. Give me an I'm not satisfied. I want another sign. I want your glory. Yeah. We can do that. We can go back here. And I think, you know, God is putting forward a company of people like Joshua who are not going to stay in all this mess. 
we're going to stay in the tabernacle. <laughs> we're going to stay in the presence of God. But that demands discipline, doesn't it? Doesn't it demand discipline? Because you're going to have to make choices. As we said, Christ is going to have to be your first fruit. He's going to be number one in your life. That's the only way you're going to stay, because you're going to have a big pull this way. I think Moses is very bold here. Very bold. You see, you know, if you start to go home now and you start to pray about something, the enemy can bring all sorts of thoughts into your mind. All sorts of things that are worrying you. And by the time you try to start praying, there's so much nonsense going on up here because you're in the outer court. You've got to move from the outer court into the inner court, as it were, spiritually speaking, into the presence, into the glory. You've got to press in. Moses is pressing in to the glory. He's pressing in to the glory. And that's what we've got to do. Somehow we've got to press into the glory. There's more. There is much more. I can tell you we haven't started. But we're starting. We started, but there's much more. Yeah, there's much more. You can have much more so that you can bless people. Well, I, I'm coming to see now, you know, it's, there's a danger, you know, when you see all this going on in the church and things like stupid people, I don't have nothing to do with them. I clear off a lot of them, you know. And, and then the Lord said to me, well, what about Moses then? Did he say that? No. The Lord said to me, no. Moses identified himself with that problem. I don't like that, see. But that's what God said. I don't like it, but God said that. I don't like that. I think when people want to mess around, let them clear off and mess around. <laughs> you know, if you want to be stupid, be stupid. Isn't it? But no, Moses is saying, identify. It's like Daniel, isn't it? Daniel, identified it in Daniel with his people and said they've sinned. You see? Well, if Jesus, you know, we're, we're reading this book, aren't we? The Prodigal God. Well, you, when you start reading that book, you begin to get amazed at the grace of God. It's amazing grace. You know, we've got to see this, that if ever there's a demonstration of the grace of God, it's on these people that really worked him up. These people really work God up. He called them a rebellious bunch. I'm going to come down in the midst of them. I'm going to consume them. I'm going to destroy them. And Moses, I'm just going to make a new nation out of you like Abraham. And, and, and you notice how Moses answers this very wise. Oh, yeah, and all these people who say you brought them out to destroy them. Yeah. And Moses gets the answer. And he starts to move towards the promises of God. I tell you, I want to make a move towards the promises of God. Don't you? I'm coming to see that the enemy's tried to derail me so many times in my life, but I'm still here. I'm still here by the grace of God. It is the grace of God. It's a miracle. It's the power of God. I've been kept by the power of God. You're kept by the power of God. You can be kept by the power of God. Why? Because Jesus has got all power. But the secret is to keep looking at Jesus, isn't it? This is what, you know, I, I mean, I've read this many times about, he says here, it says in verse 11, the Lord spake to Moses face to face as a man, 
And then the next, in the next, verse 20, the same chapter, the Lord says, thou canst, thou canst not see my face. What do you make of all that then? <laughs> One minute he's talking face to face, the next minute is a bit lower in that chapter, Moses is saying, God says, you can't see my face. Well, there's a very good, do you know what I come to see? Why Jesus is so important? Because he's the only person of the Trinity we can see. You can't see the Holy Spirit. You can't see God. But you can see Jesus. <laughs> you see Jesus in the Word. He says, I am the Word. It's Jesus walking through this Word, isn't it? You see Jesus. You see, and, and some Muslims are seeing Jesus and getting converted. They are. They're getting visitations from Jesus. But they're getting converted. In Iraq and all these different places. I tell you what, I've never had a vision of Jesus, but I can, I can certainly feel the presence of Jesus. <laughs> and that's what you want to feel. And I was thinking, just, just get a picture now of who God is. He's your father, isn't he? The wonderful revelation that Jesus brings to us in this new covenant. He said, when you pray, our father. Isn't it wonderful? You've got a father. I never knew a father, really. My father was very ill and his little boy, and then he died, and it was in an blank line. I never had really had a father. But I thank God I got a heavenly father. I have. And you've got a heavenly father. And this is, this is the point. And I think, you know, if we can see this here, and he said, and Moses made haste. And this is what he says in chapter 34, verse 6. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord God merciful gracious, long-suffering, abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression of sins, no more clearing the guilty, etc. And Moses made haste and bowed his head toward the earth and worshipped. And he said, If now I have found grace in thy sight, let my Lord, I pray thee, go amongst us. For it is a stiff-necked people, and pardon our iniquity, and take us for thine inheritance. He changed God's mind to receive these people as our inheritance. And you know, there are people in God's people who are in the balance. And you can intercede. You can be a Moses. And you can intercede them that they would change be part of God's house. You know, I'm coming to see this. That the Lord has said to me, don't look down on them. You identify with them and pray for them that they will come in. That they will come in to thy house. Be part of my household of faith. As I read this, and he says, and he said, I make a covenant. He said, and he gives all the other things. And, it, and I want to turn to you just for a moment to um, John where I was reading a bit in this morning, John 14. And, and this is the verses I read, 23. And Jesus answered and said to them, If a man love me, he will keep my words, John 14, 23, and my father will love him, and we will come unto him and make 
our abode with him. This is the secret, surely. That you become an abode, a tabernacle of the Most High God. That God dwells in you. And yet you're hearing God. Do you know the old preacher says that Moses left um, Joshua in the tabernacle. Because Moses had to go about the business of all these people. He had to judge them, remember, until he had a committee. And, and it's so that if God spoke a word in the tabernacle, Joshua would know what God was saying. You see, it's in the presence of God that we get to know God. Somehow, you and I have got to get to know God. Can you understand where Moses is it? If, you know, most of us here, if, if, if God has said to us, I'm going to send an angel with you, then great, an angel. And then he said, I'm going to send my presence. Wouldn't we be satisfied? Now his presence give you rest? No, no, you weren't satisfied. He said, show me thy glory. You imagine now Jesus in his humanity, when he was an incarnation, and he said, the apostle says, I beheld his what? Glory. Do you know there must have been a tremendous glory on the person of Christ? Tremendous in his earthly ministry. A tremendous power and glory. Well, look, if Jesus says where two or three are gathered together in my name, not a denomination name, but my name, I'm in the midst of them. Well, if we've got Jesus in the midst, something's going to happen. So it's time for us to start glorifying Jesus. And that's why I'm concentrating all the time upon the person of Jesus. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, somebody came to me and criticized me and said, why don't you talk more about the Father? Yeah, you got, you know, no matter what you say is wrong. But this is what Jesus says. <laughs> this is what Jesus says. Um, I'll read to you. This, this is the answer to that. It says in John 14, and Jesus said, um, in John 14, um, I go and prepare a place for you, verse 3, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also, and whither I go you know, and the way you know. And Thomas said to him, We know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth and light. No man cometh unto what? The Father, but by me. If you have known me, you should have known my Father also. From henceforth you should know him, and we have seen him. And Philip says to him, show us the Father, and we be satisfied. And Jesus said to him, have I been so long time with you, and yet thou hast not known me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the Father. How sayest then, then show us the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? And the words that I speak to you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very works' sake. So there it is. You've got to see this, that the revelation of Jesus is the revelation of God the Father. And the person of the Holy Spirit. As you read these chapters, he said, I've not left you comfortless. I've sent the Holy Spirit. And he's God. Yeah, he's God. 
And I'm coming to see that I must not voice, I must not say what the enemy is saying to me in in your thoughts that come from the enemy, that fiery darts that's coming against you to destroy you. You've got to understand that you've got a word of God that's more powerful than his words. Haven't you? You've got to realize you're a new creation. You're born of God, of incorruptible seed. And God's given you spiritual armor, a shield of faith, a sword of the spirit, and, 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 the, and what you've got to wear. And when he comes against your mind and say, what about that pain? What about that bill? What about this? What about that horrible old mother-in-law? No, not on my own. <laughs> You know, we... Yeah, we're all brought in families where there's been a mother-in-law. Well, I have. My mother had a (laughs) mother-in-law. Anyway, whatever it is, don't concentrate on it. Concentrate on this. Isn't it? You've got to understand that Jesus can fix anything you've got wrong. Through Moses, he fixed the whole nation. He fixed the whole nation. I can't get over this. Absolutely remarkable. Moses changed God's mind. You know, we are made in the image of God. We get angry with people, don't we? You know, your wife can get angry with you, stupid. What do you do that for? You know, and all this and, and all this business. You know, you, know, you get around because you've done, you know. And then you say, look, look to you, you're wonderful. You're really beautiful. I'm very sorry. You're absolutely gorgeous and everything's fine, you know. Because you mustn't retaliate, see. <laughs> That's why the scripture says, husbands, love your wives. It doesn't say wives, love your husbands. <laughs> you have to speak words of faith. <laughs> Isn't it? Words of faith. <laughs> words of faith, and they work. <laughs> they do. Yeah. Well, you know, the women have got a lot more discernment than us. Well, my wife has anyway. I don't know where she gets it from, but it's... It's quite scary. She can see something when I'm, I, I can't see it at all. And then she said to me, so and so, and then suddenly, yeah, you're right after all. I, I, I can see that. Where was I there? What, 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 what uh, you know, where, where was my mind? But you see, this is the point, isn't it? Do you know you can be develop your spiritual mind? Do you know that? Moses was a developed spiritual man, wasn't he? Come on, this man had learned a lot. He, did, he didn't get buried. He didn't go to some funeral home, you know. <laughs> no, he didn't. Didn't go to no funeral home. They didn't sing any hymns over him. God took him up the mount, and he went. <laughs> he appeared on the Mount of Transfiguration. Didn't he? Didn't he? <laughs> you know, I've heard some of these preachers say, these Old Testament saints are nothing what we've got. I thought, well, you didn't look much the same as Moses to me, I thought. Have you got what Moses has got? (laughs) By grace we are saved, through faith. He found grace. When he found grace in the sight of God, he changed God's mind. Yeah, we're dealing with a person now. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. We better be careful how you behave. (laughs) Yeah, you better be careful. (laughs) 
Yeah, because God sees everything. No. As I said before, he's writing your report. Yeah, he's writing your report. Gordon Davis didn't too good today. He should have <laughs> he said a few stupid things today. Thought a few stupid thoughts. That's why John the Apostle says, if you walk in the light, as he is in the light, the word of God, the blood of Jesus will cleanse you from all sin. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's still flowing. This, this saint, up the, this old lady up the road, she died now. She said to me, I can't believe how the blood of Jesus is still flowing. She said, why do you sing about that? I thought it was spilled to Calvary. I said, well, it's eternal. It's eternal. The blood of Jesus. It's still got power. It's still efficacious. How did Israel ever survive that wilderness journey? Because of the blood of the Lamb. The type of Christ. Every morning, every night, as we heard, the burnt offering, the sin offering, the trespass offering, the peace offering. It all had to be dealt with, didn't it? And I tell you what, we are under a wonderful high priest. Will you honor him? Will you honor him? The Lord is saying to me, you can do more. You can stand in the gap, don't be so selfish. You can stand in the gap for that person. You can stand in the gap for that child. No. You can stand in the gap for whatever God brings to your mind. Sitting in a meeting last night, and the Lord said to me, you pray for that person. No. We've got to do it. Because God has called us to be kings and priests unto God. He's called us to be intercessors. Somebody said something to Irene some time ago, and and I could tell Irene, you know, when, when she's stewing about something, I get this, and I said, what's going on in your... Well, she said, I'll tell you now, somebody said something to me. And I said, well, I said, well what was it? And uh, she said, so and so and so and so and so. Oh, I said, I said, what does it matter what, what the person says? But you see, people can say things to you, and they be like a bee in your bonnet. And the enemy puts that bee in the bonnet. Let's get a jolly good swat and swat the thing. <laughs> You're not supposed to have bees in your bonnet. <coughs> no. <coughs> We're supposed to put the word of God there. You know how strong your faith is. How are you reacting to what you're facing? <coughs> Isn't it? How are you reacting to what you're facing? Is it in faith or is it all... <coughs> Yeah, it, and, I, and I know the Lord's testing me. He's saying to you, you can grow stronger. I can. I can become a mighty man, and you can. You can be a person who will stand in the gap for the Lord. Isn't it wonderful? Oh, I tell you, I'm coming to see God is just like us. He gets annoyed. He gets upset. Mm. And you better get right with God. You better find grace. You've got to find the presence. You've got to find the glory. And it's now I'm beginning to see that true prayer is only in the holiest. Mm. You've got to push through. Don't 
Stay in the outer court. Press in. The veil has been removed. Don't let any religious people tell you you can't get in there. We can get in there. And that's where we, our place is. In right in the very presence of God. Oh, hallelujah. It's wonderful. The Lord wants you to be a special people. He does. He wants you to be a special people. And God is calling you for such a time as this to get in your tabernacle and if necessary, take it without the camp and become that Joshua and stay in that tabernacle. And Joshua led all those people into the promised land. He never lost one battle. (laughs) He never was defeated once. Moses had taught him, well, we got a greater than Moses. We've got the Lord Jesus Christ. He can teach you and he can teach me the way to win this war. We can win the battle, can't we? The victory is ours in Jesus Christ's name. Yes, we do have the victory. Isn't it wonderful? (laughs) Hallelujah. We're more than conquerors. (laughs) It's a wonderful thing. See, God has called you. And as I said this morning, just remember that you're only a member of the body. You're not the whole body. You're not the bee's knees. You might think you are, and everybody else is below you. No, you're just one of the members of the body. And Christ is the head. So keep loving your parts of the body, because you need that member. (laughs) Otherwise, you might stop. You might start stop functioning. No. So I got to love you, whether I like you or not. <laughs> I got to love you, whether I like you or not. Now, some of you, I think, are really gorgeous, but some of the others, I don't know about. <laughs> but you're all members of the body so I love you I can't function without you I need you (laughs) I need you (laughs) look as one old preacher said we're all crackpots And he said, if we weren't crackpots, you wouldn't be able to see the light of Jesus through us. (laughs) Maybe he's right. We're all in a state of recovery, (laughs) aren't we? We're all in a state of recovery. So I look at you, not as you are, but I see you in Christ. He's the head, and I'm part of the body. Isn't it wonderful? Lord, we thank you for your goodness and your mercy to us, your loving kindness. Lord, we pray that not an angel goes with us. Not just your presence, Lord, but we need it. But we need to see your glory, your goodness in the land of the living. We thank you, Lord, that you'll manifest your power and your glory in our midst tonight, Lord. We pray, Lord, that these tabernacles that are all here will be really functioning. (laughs) That there'll be a fire in the house. (laughs) That there'll be an offering in the house of thanksgiving and praise that will offer unto God acceptable worship and that your glory will come down like it came down upon Moses. 
And they went, it says they all went, those that sought the Lord went to Moses without the camp. Jesus went without the camp. Didn't he bear in our reproach? He went outside the gate. And we can do the same. If people don't like you, it doesn't matter if Jesus likes you. <laughs> Praise the Lord. The Lord is good, isn't he? Praise God.